You are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that did take money from Black Ghost, but only oh, to no. fund our gunpla habits. I'm oh, your yeah. host, Fletcher Arnett, and with me this week is... Chris, the Verka was worth it. <laughs> and I'm never going to visit those places. I, I, I am... I am like for real a real life uh, gunpla mule, right, Chris? <laughs> what? Yeah, it was the one that one already went in the recycling. I'm sorry, Matt. Aww, I F. have a strict one only policy. <laughs> the Verka is much cooler, and I like zero zero seventy nine more than Iron Blooded Orphans. Reasonable. And mm-hmm. today we are discussing Cyborg zero zero nine, the Cyborg Soldier episodes twenty seven through thirty one with. Also described as, uh huh. Uh, with a bonus, we are going to catch up on episode twenty-six, the recap episode for season one. It's very quick. There's just some weirdness in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned a few uh, weeks ago. This is the one that confirms Gilmore had hoped to free zero zero thirteen before they fled, but they couldn't. They also lay down for the first time on camera that Gilmore did zero work on Ivan with Jet being described as the first cyborg I had a hand in. Yeah, it'd be real yeah, I, hard to have a redemptive arc if you, like, removed all the guts from a baby and made him a robot. Before he can say more on Ivan's backstory, Joe comes in with coffee and interrupts him. Yeah, fuck you, Joe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting on that origin story for Ivan. It's only halfway through the show. Uh, it is coming this season. <laughs> I would hope so, because that's the last of the show. <laughs> Good point. Uh, this is one of the first places that we make it overt. Gilmore is trying to be a good person, but he's still way too much of a logic lord about the things he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, referring to Albert as the experiment in describing how amazing it was that he could give life back to someone who was nothing but a brain and a spine and cardiac arrest on his table. Which is morally mm-hmm. reprehensible because uh, that person did not ask for that and their life is objectively worse than it was before and probably worse than just being dead. And uh, next week, like our next recording, we're going to go into an episode that directly confronts that. That is a Gilmore and Albert special. Good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gilmore is a bad guy. Yes. um, He he has good intentions, but uh, he is very much the road to hell. Yeah, no kidding. There is also a discussion between Gilmore and Joe about the why of the Zero Zero Project, which was codenamed Future War. Black Ghost's entire reasoning was to create weapons that could expand the scope of the battlefield to the deepest seas and even outer space. Their goal was to have a monopoly on what they considered inevitable new fronts for combat as humans continue to develop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thing I don't understand about plots like this is that, you know, okay, the point of this is power for one thing, but also a lot of money. But what's the point of having money if you can't buy things with it because everything's destroyed so that will actually come up in okay yeah good to know like okay space war is hell yeah but like (laughs) other than that i'm like what are you doing i was laughing because future war matt oh oh by the way we got to isolate that clip of matt space war hell yeah matt loves war Look, I was laughing because you cool. said future war, which was what we called the drone project, which immediately made me think of the uh, lady drone pilots thing. And then if oh, only yeah. Black Ghost had more lady scientists. To yeah, the they one, are they are male. all male. Yes. Yeah. Hey, what well, was the 60s? 
Uh, there are, for the rest of the episode, little info cards for all of the characters and the enemies they face so far. The My zero zeros are... Cyborg first. man? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, they're pretty good. Uh, a couple of them have little notes. This is where we get the names of some of the Mythos cyborgs who weren't named on screen. Probably the absolute wildest is mass production type cyborg man. The mass production type cyborg, which is good at the white soldier battle and which can be produced in the low cost. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Given that the only one of those we knew prior to its life was not a white soldier. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, th there's a lot of yikes in that for sure. Uh, uh another almost as good... yikes as this uh this uh the the hippo guy who comes back. Yeah, Narius's name is here. That's the only uh -huh. place it's revealed. Why did it get uh, a whole card? It was a development. <laughs> also trying Probably. to make Pan seem cool and retro retroactively. Gilmore is clearly repulsed by Pan because he refers to him repeatedly as a the cyborg ogre. in the form of an ogre child. <laughs> That's not uh, what a satyr is. Also, no. the, the, the picture they choose for his like display card is just like the most derpy oo-woo shit you could imagine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's... It was incredibly hard for me to not screenshot every one of these cards after a certain point between the yeah. English and the frames they chose. They're so good. Uh-huh. There's one thing in this episode that made it worth watching for me, and I, I guess we had seen it before, but I had completely forgotten, and it's the, uh, like, the drawing of uh, 0013 in, like, the outfit saluting, like, <laughs> the orange and yellow. Like, yeah. that, that got me real good. Uh, I believe that is in our notes on the 13 episode because I called out that it was in the original episode's credits. The you can tell how long it's been before recording these because I completely forgot. That's all right. Yeah, it's it's a wild one. Mm -hmm. So with that, let's kick off our plot this week, which they do tease at the end of the clip show uh, by showing the web orb show up. But number 27, Little Visitors. Damn, Ava 4.0's out. <laughs> I that was what I was thinking. It was extremely it, Eva. It looks Eva. like it looks like a rebuild angel, like the the shifting rainbowy shit, and and just the fact that it's obviously CG, and the fact that their spaceship just looks like the Welkin Absolute. Fuck, that's the name of our friends at the table spaceship, the Wounder. Uh huh. <laughs> like it basically comes out of like the Sea of Dirac. Like that's pretty much what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So, and, and like the oh, too bad, the, too bad. The moral of this episode is pacifism is bad. Actually, yeah, I'll There's just say what's wrong front. with this. I yeah. hate this two-parter. It's Very, not good. I accidentally skipped the first half of the second one because usually they have a uh, a last time on, and this one did not. So I accidentally skipped the first half and decided it was fine. You missed nothing. It's one more fight before they teleport. Uh huh. Uh huh. But let's kick off with the cold open where Jet is walking down. Uh, we will later find out this is supposed to be his past in New York at the turn of the century. But uh, they make it look like he's in some kind of sort of ruined city because of how they're doing the flashbacks. That's what mm -hmm. people some... think the chop looks like. 
some Moppets stare at him, and suddenly he wakes up from a dream and knocks his head into the giant alien tentacle that's grown into his ceiling from the outside of the building. Uh, but that's that isn't that not a tentacle? It, because because what happens when it pulls out is that it's the fucking Statue of Liberty that crashed into his apartment building. Well, actually, Matt, it's definitely tentacle now that you described its action as pulling out. Uh, fair enough. But like th- that, I was like jaw on the floor where it's just like he bangs his head on this green thing and then it pulls out and it's the fucking Statue of Liberty. Yeah. yeah stand though is incredible. Also, my f- okay. So the aliens do a bunch of like things that make people upset. And my favorite one of the list is straightening the leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the fucking shit. lowest stakes you can imagine. I actually love GB because he has the only appropriate responses to this plot at every point. <laughs> They're reading off the news about this, and GB just goes, it's probably pranks, either by God or by aliens. Gotta Photoshop GB's head on that guy. <laughs> uh, a couple of the cyborgs are out camping, and this guy opens up in a vortex of lightning, and it spits out a Saiyan pod. For what it's worth, as a Californian, I am pissed because shit like this is what turns my summers into a flaming hell. Meanwhile, these assholes are in the middle of the woods and a flaming wreck out of the sky doesn't even, like, ignite a tree. I'm gonna be that guy look, and look. tell you that that's not a Saiyan pod. It's far too large. It's definitely a Capsule Corp-style spaceship. Mm-hmm. I stand look, corrected. I mean, look, Fletch. They, they do proper forest management in this universe. With so many rakes. The federal jobs guarantee is just raking the forest. <laughs> Dump so- socialism, but the idiocracy version. <laughs> I can't be too mad because you are in a place that's worse than I am right now, Chris. So you have the moral high ground here, but bro, I cannot see the space needle, and it's three blocks away. I know this is Jesus why I'm not Christ. giving you much shit for this, but. But, but an, angry, an angry yellow gray outside. My weather we forecast is just smoke. Gray. Yes, same. This is why the East Coast is the best. Nobody nine eleven to the West Coast, Matt. <laughs> That's not yet. Jeez. <laughs> oh, wow. All you right. never know <laughs> these days. Hello, FBI. I would like to report a threat. <laughs> There's a space warrior, and he's going to 9-11 my coast. Oh, no. <laughs> he's from the Buff Clan. God, just a minute. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, God, God. It, 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 if only, like, the the only thing that would probably top uh, 9-11, yeah, which was, like, two days ago. Oh, I'm very excited about this sentence, by the way. <laughs> is, is, is if someone, like, used the, uh, the ICC <laughs> to crash into something. Oh. Anyhow, um, they literally call it the Space Needle. It's the perfect target. I know. <laughs> Nobody could hit it right now. Thankfully, we have a smoke screen on all our monuments. Uh, small miracles. The only thing they can run into is Salesforce Tower. Please do that. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Wait, is that like the modern version of like the Fight Club blowing up all like the credit card companies? insurance companies is just blowing up salesforce what we need is attack on titan to be real so it can just punch jeff bezos's giant glass balls hey remember how this uh series of episodes ends with attack on titan yeah i definitely thought about that 
<laughs> yeah, especially with all of them being weirdly tan. And, like, the same level of, like, weird grotesquity around, like, just the totally limp cheeks. Yep. This is a weird black episode, y'all. You did skip the anyway. Attack on Titan episode, Matt. Fair enough. I've never seen that. Show. Also, we're, well, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, will never oh, I mean, I mean, there's there's some uh, unsavoriness to it. Uh, that is distinct from the anime to the manga. and the manga. Uh huh. Uh huh. <clears throat> uh huh. I Either know. Way. Uh, turns out there's aliens in them space pods, and they're psychic aliens who mostly cannot and will not talk. So Ivan has to get explanations out of them as the only psychic. Turns out that... Stop uh, winding him up, please. He's running all over my cord. <laughs> no, Audrey is. Got it. Uh, they are, the aliens are name, name, and other name that doesn't fucking matter because none of them save one in the next episode are going to talk, and they're refugees from their own planet. All of the weird events with the landmarks were trying to get everyone's attention, and again, GB is the best because he just asks, how was making the Statue of Liberty do a handstand a cry for help? Yeah, and How's he the actually does a handstand, which is nice. How's the Statue of Liberty existing, not a like cosmic cry for help from our nation? Hey, it, it was, was a, a gift. gift. We didn't ask for it. Yeah, we did not ask for it. We just it was in fact it. a vicious subtweet, actually. <laughs> in retrospect, <laughs> <laughs> fucking France. Uh, one of my favorite details about uh, Fringe and its parallel universe plot, by the way, is that in their world, they actually maintained it so it continued to be golden whenever you cut over there. It was a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the aliens are Banksy. Infrastructure Gilmore, weak, however, but the only thing we do is polish the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> well, they do a lot of other things, but it's just a nice visual signifier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gilmore says they're not aliens because he has to well actually the cast. They're they're just from uh, another dimension. There was a rip in space, not any kind of time space. There were three others. Okay. One was in Africa, one is in Who Cares, and one is in Germany, where Albert nearly runs a space baby over because he has not let, yet learned his lesson about never getting in a fucking truck again. Yeah, why Fletcher? is he still trucking? <laughs> He's the worst truck driver in the world. <laughs> Yes, every uh -huh. time, every time we see him in a truck. Albert a car in this these series of episodes that he's not even the driver of. He's not allowed in vehicles. Albert no. fucking up someone's truck is Joe's diving off a cliff into the ocean move. It really is. Also, Fletcher, tell me what's up with this anime in Africa. Why is it that everywhere has a real world name place except for anything in Africa? Yeah, hmm. I know. <laughs> I know. Hmm. What is the new one? Synodonia? <laughs> You're very close. If not, I did not write it down because it's another make-believe name. And Mumbani? And the, it's, it's, like Fran it's like France, Belgium, and like Synodonia. Fuck off. Which, if you're going to have to clarify it's in Africa, why don't you just give it a real place name? Get a fucking globe, my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they actually did change that in the dub, which is one thing I will give them. God. It, yeah. I'm just saying, real weird given the historical context of Punma's art style. I know. And again, we're looking at the better version of that. 
I have said repeatedly, this adaptation improves. This adaptation is not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Bruh. Uh, I think Punma and Francois have the largest problems in this series, and we've covered a bit of each. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, are they are, are the aliens from the manga? This arc is from the manga. There's actually okay. more of them yeah. there. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're at, we're at like uh, ten or so, but only a couple are going to get names. There's a reason I'm uh-huh. just speeding past that. But yeah, it, I have some production notes on how this was adapted. It, you know, it's funny because like when the mythos arc came up, I'm like holy shit, the Greek gods are real. Like, what the fuck is going on with the cosmology of the show? And it turns out it's cyborgs, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. And then aliens show up and I just don't care. <laughs> like, I just like, I, I, that should be like, uh, just destroying like reality for these people. Being like, holy shit, there are, there's life outside of this planet. And then even, they go, oh, who cares? <laughs> even X-Files knew that aliens suck. No one gives a shit. When you introduce aliens, they have zero stakes because they can be anything you want them to be and do anything you want them to do. What is the point of that? Mm-hmm. So, in the manga, where this prob- this shouldn't have been a two-parter. That's my no, big thing. absolutely not. This should have been condensed down into one, and at least then you can get, like, first half is them picking up the kids, second half is the other world. Because that's basically what the second episode is anyway. They spend a lot of time. I mean, like, g- continuing the theme on uh, Boku no Stop, that bullying works. It does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for uh, what it's like worth, the, yeah. I will mention that in the original story, it is Albert who is fulfilling that role instead of Jet, but because they've kind of changed their personalities a little in this adaptation, that doesn't work with how we've shown Albert in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Jet goes from, like, just uh, telling a kid to fight, you know, and just watching him get his ass kicked to, like, actively trying to harm children, or at least threatening to. Yep. But it's cool. He does it out of love. And that reaches out to them. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, that's not a lesson anybody should learn. Eh, fuck. Okay, let's hurry up, because <laughs> I gotta talk about the ending shot. Okay. Yeah, let's do that, but let's uh, let's go over... These kids came here because they're so psychic that they can't kill. They're hyper-empathetic, and violence would legit cause them brain damage, is what they think. They've clearly never tried. Mm-hmm. So, this means they need somewhere between 8 and 10 cyborg soldiers to fight their war for them. They collect the kids, but in the process, they run into the first of what I just refer to in our notes as the web orbs, some kind of floating sphere that destroys shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, controls time. Yes. Just kinda, it just looks like if Lavos was a ball. Yeah. It sucks to be Punma again because the craft starts wrecking folks around his neck of the woods. He tries to shoot it down and the ship casts reflect and then flare as retaliation. Luckily, cyborgs can seize hurt boxes and so Joe gets him out of the red circle. The village cannot move and is glassed. Thank God the psychic kids can ca- cast Magnera. <laughs> Uh, they do destroy it uh, with a bit of help from Ivan, who opens a hole in the thing's shield, and Joe is allowed to accelerate inside and destroy it. This is where everything gets fucked, though, because another one shows up and starts decimating Shanghai. 
mm-hmm. and then rewinding time and undecimating Shanghai and repeating. <laughs> it just went like, lol, JK, no, actually. Uh, the refugees say that the invaders are playing. Destruction and chaos are nothing but a game to them because they have this degree of power. And so at this point, Jet starts going off on the kids in what is the most reasonable part of this. Uh, he's, you came here, you brought this conflict to our planet, you are responsible for this, and you're telling me you want to just sit aside and do nothing? Mm-hmm. And Agreed. we close on uh, Joe preparing to try another kill shot combo with Ivan. So, you know, this is the first episode of season two, and there is a new ending sequence. Uh, it's starting from here by Keiko and Mark playing over the theme. I'm going to edit a little of that in while we talk about this. I really like Albert's pose there. It's like everyone's just like in an action pose and he's just like shooting for a calendar. Yeah, the new closer animation feels like it could be the end to a season of Ranma. It's weird alternate colors and casual, casual? I don't know if that's the word I want. Poses of all the cyborgs and cast, including Gilmore, just as this smooth, jazzy track plays. It's pretty nice. I actually really like this ending sequence a lot. Yeah, no, it's definitely... Well, the music's a ton better. (laughs) (laughs) I like the old music. It's just always was a wild, total clash at the end of the episode. Well, the thing is, I'm I'm always playing it at, like, time and a half speed to get through it, and so it's even funnier when it's just like... The only total clash harder with anime outros is the fucking JoJo's Season 3 outro. (laughs) Yo... Yeah. What? Yeah. What is that? That was uh, Mark described home. Mark, sorry, no, John I... described it as chill beats to a moan too. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's a thing very... about that ending that I can't say to you yet, but I have to tell me when you record your final episode so I can point out the brutality in it. It's gonna be a long time. I'm just uh. I'm binge prepping. I'm already... I finished. I did Darby. What's after Darby? It's Boingo and a Whole Horse. And then what's after that? Um, Pet Shop, isn't it? I haven't seen Pet Shop. Okay, so you're right before Pet Shop. Yeah. The Guardian of Hell. Uh, <laughs> another thing is that in the US, this is where Cartoon Network bumped the show to die. The right Every call. episode from this point on just ran at 1.30 a.m. when this was on the Toonami block in the afternoon prior. Weird. No one ever made an official statement, but either the ratings were that bad on season one, or the content in season two was way harder to censor in a fashion that they would let it run in daytime. It's kind of moot since either way they never finished airing this show. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about episode 28, Fight for Tomorrow. We pick back up in the skies above Shanghai, and Pal, the only alien who is going to get a name or speak, is badgered into trying to assist Ivan in doing nothing more than opening a hole in the weapon shield. I have to interrupt with non-podcast news so I can stop thinking about it. Sure. I'm going to read you a tweet from The Atlantic. One progressive strategy to help Biden appeal to young voters, promote him as part of a... quote gr- sorry as a part of a group of quote democratic avengers uh, just why you just feel i mean at least it- leave your body when you read that That's i mean like look something Chris, the onion would write 
At least they aimed for the Avengers and didn't like settle for Justice League. How <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> the week one of the Avengers tweets his dick. Wait, what? Young oh, did you are... not hear about Chris Evans leaking his own dick pic? Hell yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday. Uh, okay. Um, should I salute it or something? Like, No, it's, <laughs> it is, uh, I... He's Captain America. Yeah, one of the comedians I follow simply said, this is a weapons-grade boring dick pic. This is a dick that you would take a picture of to send to your doctor in telepresence. Like, it's not worth looking at. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, well, that was less exciting. Yeah. Did he do it on purpose? Yeah, apparently. He's just like, yo, check this out? Yeah. Oh, dude, the yo young honk kid. my hog. The kids are not all right. These voters, she found, quote, had a rebellious hope in the face of of overwhelming odds when asked to describe what voting felt like one participant imagined Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games franchise mm -hmm. okay uh, you can't hurt me with that one because at the start of the month oh here we go the... here we go this is the okay. this is the kill shot he came up Try with me. what next gen now calls quote the democratic avengers after the marvel movie featuring an ensemble of superheroes the idea is that by voting for biden you're not you're voting not just for him you're voting for all of the democrats many of them cool and hip that biden have mm -hmm. in his orbit uh-huh <laughs> if he okay. if he is elected, it won't just be Joe Biden. The message reads: Biden has pledged to build an administration filled with progressive leaders, experts, and activists from inside and outside of politics. That really just means Goldman Sachs CEOs. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, no, you can't hurt me because I remember earlier this year when Vanity Fair wrote a piece on the upcoming Dune film. And their description of Dune, for anyone who hadn't seen it or read the novel, was that Paul Atreides is Greta Thunberg, but right, she's a right. Jedi and has a degree from Hogwarts. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> I remember this. Yup. That's, that's fucking incredible. Like, you that can't is a kill hurt phrase me. for somebody. You <laughs> can't me. hurt me anymore because I've seen that repeatedly. <laughs> oh, no. Still think about well, how where, where does your, the drugs come in? I still think about how one of your podcast co-hosts blocked you for tweeting that Kamala died. That wrestler. Yes, <laughs> that was worth it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so speaking about how Max Boot is right and Shanghai must be destroyed. Oh yeah. Anyway, Jet is trying to get this little psychic shit to assist Ivan in. Opening a hole in the shield. The alien Moppet gives up three seconds in, and Ivan has to do all the heavy lifting, but Joe finishes it off. And he, However, like, passes out, right? Or, like, is, yeah. is that, like, later? Yeah, this is the point when Ivan goes into sleepy baby mode for the rest of the arc. No, I meant, like, the alien kids, too. Like, the first time they try to use their powers, they, like, faint. Or, like, one of the No, faints, this right? one, he oh, just, like... Later, yeah. That's when they attack during Maze Runner. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's later. Yeah. No, this one, he just keels over and, like, he reveals, oh, no, I stopped doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Shanghai is 
massively ruined. There's craters and fires still burning, but they've taken out the orb. <laughs> the cyborgs are now being recruited to travel to the refugees' world and fight the invaders for them. The entire time, Jet is incredibly pissed about this, and uh, in a nod to the original arc, even Albert is getting a little snippy. But... Mm. Everyone gets into the Disco Fuck Palace space control room on the spaceship in the shape of the Nazca Lines. And then another web orb shows up above the ocean in front of the craft. Mm -hmm. So, at this point, Ivan is KO'd. These idiot kids have now involved Earth in this battle. And like it or not, the Zero Zeros are stuck in this fight if their planet is going to survive. But Jets has to start very calmly threatening all of these children that so help him God, they'd better open a hole in a shield or he will feed them his boot. Mm -hmm. I do love Joe holding Francois back to stop him. <laughs> uh -huh. No, 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 no. We have to watch this. Yeah, yeah. And like they, they, they cut to that twice. <laughs> yep. Like, like there's a lot of like, oh, he's going to punch the kid again. Better stop him. Oh, oh no, better let him at least threaten. <laughs> Francois has some real Marge Simpson energy right now, and Joe is just shaking his head like Homer. Yeah, yeah. No, like, the only thing we should, like, someone needs to edit in, like, Marge is going, like, hmm, to it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sound. So the kids don't do that, and instead, Pal teleports Jet inside of the shield, which is even dumber, because why couldn't he do this sooner? Yeah. Love uh -huh. to be put on the inside of a reflective sphere with a gun where I can only just kill myself instantly with it. To be fair, every single one of these orbs they've taken down has involved flinging the cyborg in question violently away from an explosion. Can you call it the sphere mm -hmm. and not the orb so I can stop thinking about GDQ? Sure. Sphere is destroyed. They set course for the other dimension. Another good gag is that GB begins waxing poetic on the sights they're going to see on the journey and a kid just interrupts him to go, we're here. So, what? Uh -huh. And the kids learn violence. That's it. That's the entire back half of this episode. And the fucking thing about it is that, like, when they start realizing that they can blow these guys up, they go, like, full-on, like, murder bot. They go children of the corn. And then... Yeah, like, they, they just go attack, 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 like, going insane. And then everyone just walks away and be like, yep, we're good like, now. closing shot of them deliberately stomping a flower, and then the show framing it as though that's a good thing and not ominous as fuck is what? wild. They no, do... the show the show is making uh -huh. very clear that you should be agreeing with Francois. This is terrible. Yeah. But what uh -huh. I'm saying like, what I'm saying is Francois gets a second the... and everyone else gets a ton more time than that. Yeah, and they, and they just walk away and never talk about it again. But also like the aliens literally start imitating the people that oppress them yep. <laughs> before they leave. They turn into the alien spaceships they've been blowing up. Yeah, it's a better form for fighting, which is not true. Their Nazca ship literally ripped one of those apart. Yeah, that was wild, that, actually. That shit does just look like the Wounder. I know. Anyhow, yeah, uh, this this really should have just been one episode. This could not sustain a two-parter, and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Very, what if very it was, strange. What if it was a zero-parter? I would also accept that. I'd be uh -huh. perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. um, well, the blue theme continues. Mark was well, right. Let me, Mark was right all along. <laughs> let me at least touch on a weird production note here. Uh, there's some allegations. The weird flashback with Jet we keep going to is part of a scrapped angle that was going to be part of this adaptation. 
prior to the first season airing, there was an article in Hobby Link Japan magazine that said with some of the changes they were making to the cast, Jet was going to have been roped into the mafia or some kind of crime syndicate. And that's why he was so mad about children being caught up in this that, you know, people were using them as disposable messengers and marks for their own business. Really uh, glad instead, we scrapped uh, that and instead made Jet way into exploiting children. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, because the way they frame that is just that he sees all these poor children who are struggling to survive and he just is indifferent to them. She got asleep and he just fucking walks away. Yeah, yeah. and the kid, kid like grabs him and he's just like, and he, and he like looks over and like sees a kid who's like getting his ass beat by like uh, older I don't know if they're older kids or if they're Th- like, those were adults. adults. Those are adults. Yeah. And, it, and it just just like fucking none of my problem. Kid didn't say nothing. I didn't see nothing. It's fucking like uh, like Ido at, at like the beginning of uh, uh, Battle Angel Alita where he's just like, oh, man, that girl's going to get raped. Not my problem. Oh, I guess I should help. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? It's like the worst thing that happens in that manga that I've seen, at least. Yeah, it's definitely a shocker if you go from that pretty okay film and then cover the original source material. And it's like, oh, I, I, I feel like I hate that movie. I really did not like it. Really, I'm like, I feel like I'm the only one who who really just thought it was terrible. That's because you're wrong. <laughs> it has one. The motorball scene is fine. Like that's okay. Everything else, I just did not like whatsoever. And like, I wanted to like it. Ah, it's disappointing. It was very funny to me when I watched that and I forgot about the eye thing. And the first time you see it, I just see, oh, my God. Oh, the eye thing is fine. Like, the eye thing is perfectly acceptable. I I forgot about it. And it has like a good four Uh minute cool down period for you to get over it. And just Uh forgetting that was a thing is was just a lot. Yeah, it's just weird that they they took. Like, just the tone of it isn't, like, dark and grimy enough for me. And also, like, they turned Ido uh, into a, uh, like, a sad dad instead of, like, you know, the morally ambiguous character that he is. What if I told you there are no happy dads, Matt? (laughs) I mean, yes, but, like, you know, the sad dad. You know, oh, my daughter died and you're my replacement daughter and I really care about you even though I just met you. And you have created no you for idea myself. How much I am holding back from dropping the ultimate sad dad nuke right now. Uh, what? Like Last of Us Two? No. <laughs> That's about <laughs> a sad f- daughter. Okay. Isn't Joel still in that? I don't know. I haven't played it. Only he for dies about in it. an That's hour. That's the whole premise. <laughs> I didn't. Know, I don't know what the premise is. I've been on blackout for it. I was going to play it later. Don't play it. Don't. Yeah. I'm not, like even, I'm not even going to play it, and my obsession is narrative third-person shooters with upgrades and infinite repeating new game pluses, and I could not care less about that, even though there mm-hmm. are not enough of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't seem like it went over super well, unfortunately. No. Rip. Anyhow, let me segue out of that into episode 29, The Blue Earth. So this is our timely episode this week as our show continues predicting the end of humanity. <laughs> it's true. <sighs> Turns uh, out we... global warming is a furious earth in the form of a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I something. what the what what the fuck is this? What is going on? <laughs> I have a bit halfway through this. It'll explain some things. Well, you see yeah. that this cat is the life stream defeating <sighs> the meteor. 
Oh, basically. so it's like red. It's like blue thirteen or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Uh huh. Well, the like thing is, like, uh huh. Like, but it also, like, it has a like. Th- this is basically a jungle cat, right? It's like it's like a blue cheetah looking thing, and it yeah. always has like a ridiculous smirk and like glowing red eyes. Damn, jungle cat is extremely racist. <laughs> Isn't that what it? Well, what no, I mean, no, as? I was pretending. I was pretending that cat meant person, as in like the jazz oh, way of saying it. it. Okay. Yeah, neither of us, neither of us went there. Sorry. I, I, I was just like, I was just like, wait, is the term jungle canceled? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we don't have those anymore. Just the music. Uh, oh, jeez. Um, I can't believe Bolsonaro dug up the Amazon's old tweets. Anyhow, we watched this cat fuck up a factory pretty brutally. Like it's destroying the place, flames everywhere. It's hunting the people running away from it. Anti-worker. Yeah. <laughs> and as so many of these episodes start with, we cut to the Zero Zeros and Gilmore reading the news. There is nothing but eco-terrorism going down in the world, and there are sights of a blue beast every time. Meanwhile, G Jr. is solo out in the desert. This is an episode about him. This this is ridiculous. Like this is so over the top with its uh Native American stuff. Like I don't I don't even know what to like categorize it as, but like this is off the charts. Well, we get a brief flashback of why G Jr. left his home channel. Mm-hmm. And it's because you know we have to start selling our culture to get by. Hey, we're we're doing beads. We're doing a gift shop. Turns into reservations and casinos on tribal land. And uh-huh. he just gets disgusted with the fact that it's nothing but weird wealth extraction and doesn't have any of the heart he grew up with. So he leaves. He goes out into the world. Tribal casinos really sell to me um, the... You cannot defeat white capitalism with black capitalism. Yes. Yeah. I live around a mass of them uh, oh, being on the border oh. and fucking same. Because oh, yeah, Washington's I, got a lot of that. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut and we have like two big ones. Yeah, but yeah. they're also the only legal gambling in my state is same. you have to know where the casinos are and uh, a few of them have been getting fucked up by the wildfires these past few years. Mm-hmm. So, the whole thing leads to he's currently taking the downtime, because, you know, in theory the cyborgs are between world-shaking plots right now, and heading out back to his hometown to just see what's up. So he <laughs> starts working his way up the mesa, and on the way, he tries to take a drink of water at a stream, finds out it's got cadmium or some kind of toxic metal in it. So Mm -hmm. he climbs up, and the whole mesa we've been seeing this time in all the flashbacks and whatever is now being strip-mined. His homeland has just become capital. The first things we hear G. Jr. say out loud that aren't just internal monologue are the words, what the hell is this? This is one of the only Uh parts of this episode I saw. Uh, and it was excellent. The um, him just staring at it, getting madder and madder. Where you hear the sound of the um, whatever the fuck that's called. Yeah, the thing that like pounds the ground and like. Yeah, yeah the thing that repels the lions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
That's the only machinery they animate because it's very easy to do so. And they keep going to the same like five second shot over and over again. But but for good effect, they they use it well. Yeah, they whip their weight back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, G Junior nearly kills the site boss because he instantly presumes the white dude in a suit standing at the top of this pit uh, drove his people off the land. Hell yeah! And he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's 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 right. Well, it's, just, it's a little bit. Di- it wasn't forceful. Yeah, he the the guy says no, no. I I like made a I made a deal with your people. If you want your share of the payout, you got to talk to them. They have the money. And um, this is where the episode starts being real overt about capitalism is the true blood that drives Black Ghost, and you don't have to be an arms dealer or a weapons merchant or a people trader to traffic in human misery. Yeah, I mean, they literally take a shot of, like, the workers and then have that fade into, like, the same shot, but everyone's a, sci- a Black Ghost scientist. Well, yeah, we also flashbacks. We also skipped the line where G Jr. said we should have never sold our land to these people. <laughs> Like I mean, a literal line, true. he says. It's true. It's true. Um, and also, like they—they're running parallels between like the the drill thing or and the um like whatever drill like blade thing they used to to cut up G Junior when he was on the operating table. Like yeah. that—that that part is pretty effective. Yeah, there's there's some very good metaphor used in this in this and the closing scene. I think. But it does get a little muddled in the middle. Yeah, I mean, there, there, it takes a weird turn. It takes a weird turn in the in the guise of a white woman. Well, let's get to her. Off a side path of this development, G Junior finds lush fields and gardens, and he's shocked by this because this is was a large stone mesa, not known for its soil. Mm-hmm. And a woman named Sandra is working these. She did not choose to come here. She's not the person who created this garden. But she took the job when her husband moved here to work the mines. And it's become a passion. Just some way she can make things better for people. And this is when one of the miners comes running up to these two in the field and has to tell Sandra, your husband is dead by a blue cat's paw. So can't believe Trump bulldozed this garden. We walk back out into the pit and everyone we just saw, the boss, a mass of the workers, machinery, all of it is overturned, destroyed, or dead. One of the survivors just tells G Jr. about the blue beast. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm going to cut in and ramble at my co-hosts for a minute about the original story. The Blue Earth was not a Cyborg 009 story. It was an unrelated short story, literally a novel, not a manga, that Ishino Mori wrote. It was about a zoologist who was investigating rare animals around the Earth and a blue creature that kept showing up globally and attacking humans. Basically, all that was kept of that story is Blue Beast and Environment is Good. I suspect... Sandra is a reference to that story, maybe the zoologist, because she looks so alien to the art style of this adaptation. Like, maybe there's some sketch in the novel that's being referenced. But this is also Mm -hmm. the point in this episode where this turns into something akin to the standalone complex episode Jungle Cruise, the one where Bato goes on Heart of Darkness Mm -hmm. to clean up his past. 
This is the point where G Jr. hears about the beast, draws his gun, and decides he's going to hunt that thing himself, team be damned. I mean, that was a good episode of that show, although I never want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason they don't run that one it's on fucking, television anymore. It's, it's fucking brutal. Yeah. It's it's the wor- like the most intense that show gets, and it's uh, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, I like I say, I like it. It is a favorite of mine, especially because Bato is my favorite part of that whole universe. But I mean, he rules. Yeah. The Bato movie is the best movie. Fight me. Which which one's the Bato movie? Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence. Oh, so that's a Bato center. The one one we're going to watch instead of uh, the first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I won't say what happens in case you decide to watch the original film, Matt, but uh, as a sequel to the original film, yeah, the Major's not around. Oh, okay. So it follows Bato and Tokusa. Oh, so that kind of is kind of coming off of like the side stories. Well, it's coming off of the original film, which was a whole different continuity. Those two films are their own thing. Okay, yeah, because like the original film is kind of. Hmm? Have you ever seen the original? Yeah. It's like yeah, okay. one of the only things that makes me still think that anime might be good. Like I the thing about the original that kills it for me is that uh the major's voice actor just doesn't sell it for me at all. It just sounds really amateur and if if they replaced like that VA with like maybe the person who did um Standalone Complex, like I would be this is an amazing like it would Are you just watching put dubs? it over the top for me. For that one, I did. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, yeah, it was really only possible to get that as a dub for a while here. I, yeah, think that the 90s. I think that's still the case in streaming. I didn't see it. In, or maybe you I just didn't check for Japanese. Amazon, I think. Or YouTube uh, or whatever. I believe it's on um, Netflix now. It has both. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still great, though, that it had the uh, the same guy. Uh, like, Bato has had like, the same voice actor. Yeah, Richard Epcar has been Bato in everything English. The Netflix one is the awful CG one, though. No, no, I think that Netflix has no. The I mean, two. they have the re- they have like the 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 quote unquote remaster of the original film with the awful scene. Oh, intro. you mean two point Got it. Yeah. I've not seen that version. For don't, the record. don't, don't, don't. It's such a downgrade. Everything oh, else, yeah, is, I've heard everything heard. else is like mostly fine. Yeah, it's like remastering it is a good thing that you should try and watch the HD transfer of the original if you can. But two took what was very primitive CGI animation and some digital effects in the original film and went, mm-hmm. what if we make this golden like it's the new Deus Ex games instead of green like the Matrix? And it's very ugly and became dated within six months. Well, Fletch, is it worse than the live action? Because I've seen the live action and it's extremely bad. No, because it's still a very good movie. It's just got a weird like coat of why did you do this over it? Yeah, just I like, thinking I, about that I, picture of the Asian girl with a sign on her that says Scarlett Johansson. Yep, <laughs> that's nice. a great. That was a great costume for that Halloween. What? My wife's giving me an angry face. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's maybe a... you should watch both of these movies as two of our premiums. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was say... our. I thought that was our plan. Was we were gonna do I that? We were only gonna watch two, uh, but that's fine. We can watch both. Well, yeah, if we about. yeah, if we do the two Ghost in the Shell, and then the third one would just be Devil Man versus zero zero nine. I guess. I thought that was what we were playing with. We can workshop later. Nope. Uh, that's consider that set in stone. I can't remember more than one thing. 
Cool. Yeah, because I figure more than one movie an episode would be crazy. But you have to write mm-hmm. it down so I can read the schedule to Matt later. <laughs> I uh-huh. think it's actually on my copy. Uh, yes, yes, it is. So cool. I'll just make that harder in the uh, notes later. Anyway, so there's a side story during this where uh, Joe and Francois investigate one of the attacks from the cat. They get attacked by the cat. They have nothing to do with the actual plot of this episode, and their conclusion at the end of it is, was that a black ghost cyborg? Because that's all they know how to do. And and the thing is confusing about this is that they cut from that to G Jr. and it's a different time of day and presumably a different part of the Earth. So like, uh, I guess the the intent is that this creature is can be in multiple places at once or can be. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, the supernatural will of the Earth. Of course, it can be in multiple places at once. We're all on the Earth. Yeah. The thing is that before they start like laying that out, it just gets very confusing when it's cutting back from a night shot with those two to to a day shot with Junior and they're fighting the same thing. It just it's it's very visually confusing. So, yeah, it does draw down on G Junior, who, like I said, he has gone out hunting at this point. And at this point, this is the most dialogue we get from G Jr. in any episode of the show. And this is where you can really hear, if you have the dub on, that his English voice actor is Jet from Bebop. Oh. Because he's going ham here. Mm-hmm. But it bites him, and it does not damage him, because, you know, steel. Instead, it shows him the entirety of Evo, the search for Eden, as a cutscene. <laughs> You know, my, my my first thought when I saw it this actually was just like him because he's a Native American and, and as a result is so in tune with the earth that he's immune to it. Well, well that's not, not true. Let's see what I, what I, what I thought of Chris was that like, oh, man, like, is this show saying that Native Americans are so in tune with the earth that when they're about to die, like the entire earth's life flashes before their eyes? <laughs> Fuck, dude. Amazing. I love love that the native american guy has to go fight a spirit animal i know right on behalf of the white men and i guess the black men and the asian men and a lot of other men but wait damn are the english spirit animals nobody has punched gb yet and that's next episode where if you want to get real bad (laughs) anyhow uh he realizes that he is not fighting a cyborg He is fighting something more primal. And this is where I'm going to go off on a rant for a minute, because Earth tells him that everything is crafted on an exquisite balance. And fuck you, the world does not have a finely tuned ecosystem that repairs itself. This whole fucking planet is all kinds of monkey motion helicopter bullshit. And I hate people throwing it around like we can just turn off the factories and cool all the plants are back tomorrow. But but you can see the sky in New Delhi. Um, shut the this fuck is... up, Matt. <laughs> not, not even a joke. Actually mad at you right now. <laughs> okay. This this is where uh, if the Literally two of us... Literally have to clean out my air purifier filters twice a day because they are full right now. Because I live in an old house and my air quality index is over 200. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's terrible. Uh, if you want to hear an actual bit of investigation on this, you should either look up the documentary series All Watched Over by Machines of Loving Grace, Part 2 covers this, or uh, go listen to the incredibly good 
summaries and explanations in a layman's terms on the podcast general intellect unit Mm -hmm. this is actually a perfect point to talk about what i think is the ultimate failing of cyborg 009 sure that it wants to bring it wants to talk about issues that it thinks are important that on, on the surface i agree with but it never has anything to say the whole point mm, is now hey the earth is good and we're doing bad stuff to it and that's it and that well, is not compelling that's just fucking pablum that i could get by listening to joe biden or even donald trump talk if i wanted to i it, mean the other the other f- Part of that well, too is just that humans are can be good, so we should a, try to a broader, make sure humans are good. This is a right? broader point than just that, which is that it is it wants to spend an episode on it, but it can't even spend a whole episode on it. The episodes are never about that. It comes mm-hmm. off the show comes off as the criticism of Jeremy Corbyn's campaign that is just a wish list of like a shopping list. That's what the show really is, because it brings up these issues, never has anything to say and spends the whole time on wow, cool robots. But also, dog, your robots look like shit in the show. <laughs> like. It's not about anything. It just brings up things that you think are good. It's the, hey, remember that, like, it's cards against humanity, but for radical politics, is what I'm trying to say. It's just sliding all the references and positions around without any meaningful thing to say, any suggestion of action, because it's not about anything. Like, even narratively, it's no longer about anything since Black Ghost died. I mean, the thing is, that that's the biggest problem I had with this episode, is just that, like, okay, G Jr. hates that this is happening to the Earth but also hates when just the earth decides it wants to kill the people involved because they're innocent. But well, look at the next episode. But they're look at the next like, episode. The next episode is, wouldn't it be creepy if the surveillance state was real? But it doesn't even, but it's not even about that. It's about what, no. what if Carl got sucked into a computer and loved a robot lady? And it just brings up the idea that maybe surveillance could be scary. Like it, what I mean, basically, what it's saying is like, don't give AI like emotions. Just don't do oh, that. See, it's I, not about that either. It's not about anything. I was gonna not say really. what I took away from the next one was it's basically shooting down the people who are all like, "Well, Earth's fucked, but we have to look to the future." And instead, it's just like, no, this whole thing was a self-defeating dead end because the same logic that got us into this mess is not going to create a better one somewhere else. We need to fix the problems. But that's my point. It says that, but it's not about it. That's right. yeah, Yeah, it's it's it, mostly about the characters being in a situation rather than like the bigger picture. If you wanted me to give a shit about your opinion on any of this, you would need to focus on all of this way more. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. that's why I think it's like a failing that Black Ghost dies in episode 17, because you could do like a three parter on Computopia or the environmentalist stuff through the plot device of Black Ghost. And that would be way more compelling, way more accurate, because here it's just like, huh, factories are bad instead of it's not that people are killing the planet. It's that specific people with names and addresses are killing the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you could be about that, but you discarded the plot, the plot device that would let you be about it. I mean, like if the if the blue cat just went after like the the guy, the rich guy, then I feel like that would be a clearer message other than just indiscriminate 
death, which just motivates G Jr. to protect the people because they're people. You know, I mean, basically, basically, I think the show is a moral failure. And okay. like feigns at radical politics. I mean, by it, it, mentioning that those positions exist, but not having anything to say about them. I mean, but like, I don't know if that. I think the exception to that is still like the the stuff in uh, Muamba. Is uh, it where like, a it little bit right? Kind, like, kind of. It just says this is a thing that people do, and hey, it's bad, but it yeah. doesn't highlight any of the effects how people really get into it, how they get out of it, what happens before or after. It's just this exists and is bad. Yeah. It's I just mean, the, tokenizing the another problem of the world, right? I mean, the the problem is that, like, you don't really go, you don't spend enough time there after the fact to see, like, you well, don't spend enough what, time how anywhere. do things go there? Yeah, you just keep, because it's globetrotting, it's just going to different places. Yeah, I was about to say, this is basically, I hate to use this term because it's not 100% accurate here, but you're laying out the case that this is sort of a misery tourism of all the problems of the earth it 100 percent is yeah all right and like a completely almost from the show's perspective just an amoral hey this is a problem that exists and this is what some people think about it mm -hmm. yeah i can't fault mm -hmm. that even yeah. as the guy who loves this property you are incredibly correct that there is no follow through. If I was and... 16 and I didn't live in 2020, I would be about this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As someone who came to this when this was contemporary, got into the franchise because of it, I have a lot of fondness for this. This is definitely the week that I think has the single weakest episodes we are going to cover. So I'm with you on this. I still mm. think even as a, like, a form, because the nicest thing I could think about this, like, in terms of, like, its political message, which is, like, Cyborg 009 wants to be political, but isn't, right? Mm -hmm. the, the nicest thing I could say about it is that it could theoretically be trying to activate ideas in people, but it doesn't do that. It just mentions them and moves on. You know and, I mean? and it's just it's very vaguely humanist and that's about it you know because the whole idea of like these were humans but now they got turned into to weapons of war and now they're trying to not be warlike even though all they do is fight question mark but it's, so uh, i've been saving this for later this is probably going to be a thing that i really go into in episode 10 because that's covering the ova but when ishinomori died 009 was kind of left rudderless because that dude was the one who had all the ideas and tried to steer this towards being yeah i've referred to it on like a few times as antifa super soldiers the anime he was a guy who fucking hated what fascism did to his country he had a beef he was trying to do something with his stories to explain that to a new generation but it sucks there you don't yeah you never stop fascism. The show never even accurately depicts what fascism is, other than a vaguely bad malevolent force that has this black that has a skull mask and is like ridiculous, right? I mean, well, is it is it really fascist? Like, it seems like it's more like like hyper capitalism on top of like yeah, because it doesn't really seem like a form of government. It's anti government. It's trying to. I was going to say that a lot of it 
And what kind of became his defining work in this vein was the Showa era of Kamen Rider that he had such a giant hand in. And this was a series, reminder, that kept getting started and stopped over and over, and every time he'd try retooling it to go, well, maybe this will appeal, or this editor is fighting me. And the big masterwork he wanted to do was going to be a final art called God's War to wrap it up, and it didn't finish before he died. It, we just have notes, and it's kind of a mess. And I don't know if there is a possible perfect version of 009 with what we have, especially not without Shotaro Ishinomori. It's not. You, you, can't ha you can't have it the way it is, right? It would have to be about one of these issues and actually about it, the way that standalone complex is about that. Yeah. Yeah, I see your point, and I think the Ghost in the Shell comparison is a very good one, because the two seasons of arc tackling a topic each work, and you don't have that here. Yeah. Especially like, in this first half complex. of season two. Just yeah. factories are bad is like an opinion a six-year-old has. Maybe not a six-year-old, maybe a ten-year-old. My child does not have the opinion that factories are bad. And this is the point where the show is floundering, because they knew what they wanted to close the series on. Uh, the final ten episodes are all basically one continuous arc on this season. But until then, we are cherry-picking through a lot of loose ends and a couple of anime original stories. I told you already, this wasn't even a 009 story. They took the name and the beast out of an entirely different thing Ishinomori wrote, because they were strip-mining the whole of his works now. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if it feels like a stronger work if you were to cut out those, you know, keep the longer arcs, but cut out the uh, these random one-offs or two-offs. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they all kind of contribute in the same direction, though. It's not like... They're that yeah, significantly like, different. Even like the gods arc, right? Like that's cool to watch, but it doesn't have anything to say about even the plot or the themes of the show. Well, I mean, the thing is, the, the argument is whether or not humans are worth saving, period, or just letting them just, you know, should we just kill them all? And but is and that like, worth, there's no humans. Is that there's worth even bringing up, right? <laughs> there's, there's only two humans in the entire arc that you see, other than the ones that get blown up in the different cities and whatnot. Like these guys are mouthpiece for the for humanity but also at the same time they were ignoring a war <laughs> at the beginning of that arc because they didn't want to get involved just just to underline my position i i will think about probably in the future i will fondly think about that cyborg 009 tried but it is definitely like a narrative failure failure that black ghost is gone early it looks like shit and it is like morally disgusting to me while we're in this because i know you discussed with me off air that you are really starting to feel burnout on this show yeah would me dropping something about where those final 10 episodes go help drive you let's hear it i'm gonna give they, you i'm gonna give you one more anyway you and matt can record the rest of the show if i don't want to after that that's fair <laughs> Uh, the final 10-ish episodes of Season 2 and Cyborg Soldier as a whole are the Neo-Black Ghost arc. Ivan Whiskey's father, Gamro Whiskey, 
and some of the other remnants straight up start reforming the organization. They rebuild Skull, and the whole thing comes to a pretty apocalyptic conclusion. Damn Neo, Black Skull, he already knew Kung Fu. <laughs> but yeah, that's why we haven't heard a lot about Ivan until now, because they've been holding back his dipshit dad. Gotcha. We'll check it out. In the meanwhile, it, okay. in the meanwhile, let's talk about this uh, dipshit who built a robot with his son in it. Yeah, let's oh. talk about Computopia. This one will go real quick. <laughs> so so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh yeah. no, it is just Biodome. Fuck. There's yeah. there's one bit on twenty nine I do want to talk about that I don't want to gloss over. The close of the episode, uh, G Junior's leaving his hometown, and. Another motherfucking white guy in a suit comes in. This one's got a Texan hat with a helicopter, and he just tells everyone, well, what the fuck are you doing? Get back to work, to all the survivors. And G Jr. even says, we're not going to stop a black ghost until we all just wipe out this horrible force in ourselves. And it's it's explicit. Capital is the lifeblood of exploitation. Mm -hmm. That's it. No. Like, to get really philosophical, at the end of the day, capital is not necessarily the problem that needs to be defeated, but it is the learned instinct that material wealth equates human value, and that's what drives people to acquire capital and exploit others for it. Well, yeah. as a short-term metaphor... Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, is kind of the pitch that is going to be coming at you this season. Even on the low end, right, Matt? Like, Right. Well, I, I'm more specifically thinking of like when people try to grab, you know, at, at a certain point, what, what is it? The, the amount of money that like on average in the U.S. you need to live like a comfortable life is like, what, like 70,000 or 100,000, somewhere in that range uh, for, for like a household and then anything after that basically turns into like status hunting or like uh trying to like get more money for your future generation which just ends up being a self-perpetuating thing of like wealth if i didn't live where I, if i didn't live in the exact like, apartment i lived in i would starve on that oh yeah, yeah that's the thing that's average like in cities it's obviously completely different like that it, it's fucking crazy to me that like my company when i like first got my job uh here in dc they were paying like 36k a year in dc where the cost of living is just extremely high i mean it's not as high as like london or san francisco but other thing too is it, that the cost of living is, the cost of living is fake right yeah like if the material wealth of the community goes up the price of good material goods in the community also go up because there is more wealth to be extracted yeah i mean yeah the equilibrium just everything just keeps rising with the, the ability and uh what is it the the power purchase parity or whatever and housing is a whole use. other thing that we yeah. cannot get into but is likely no. to be what drives anything oh, really insane yeah. in the closing part of this year because especially when you have people who will hold on to property that they will not cut anyone breaks on because of the theoretical wealth that they think they're losing instead of just zero that is on the books while others suffer that's that's a whole other issue we can't cover right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, just just the fact that, like, we can't even fucking just pass a thing being like, hey, you know what? The country shut down. A lot of people lost their jobs. Maybe don't collect rent for a few months. Yeah. 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 
let's let's talk about a city that has no people in it. Computopia. <laughs> well, yeah, it has this weird gremlin guy who's a scientist. Yeah, I what, I think what I is said that? sentient dust bunny. What is this? So Who my favorite this? thing is that his kid looks like him, but like the haircut, you could imagine that haircut growing to encompass his face. So I think he just really needs a haircut and is a guy under there. I mean, with this his and kid's the haircut next episode, is the shape of his head, just not covering his whole face. This and the next episode introduce weird animal people to the fucking cyborg universe. Yeah, it's very, very bizarre. Because the thing is, the the fur is only on his head. Like, yeah, the it's fur not is on the like inside, his normal. Matt. <laughs> it lives inside uh, us all. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, like, if you're into that, cool. I, I'm not judging that. But yeah, <laughs> not what that not what that sound sounded like. <laughs> well, no, just. I mean, like, just the idea of just having fur on the inside of my body just sounds ugh. Is you that do. grosser? Is that grosser than the concept that I thought of the other, I read the other day, which is Bowdoin Pizza? Uh, yes, it is grosser than Bowdoin Pizza. Disagree. Yeah, Bowdoin Pizza is basically just an overcooked stuffed crust, dude. <laughs> uh, but the, it's still very funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This this episode is pretty quick. They they visit Biodome to pick up a new vehicle. They ask the developer to create for them the mole. It will come up later. It turns out that some totally not an Elon Musk dipshit thinks the Earth is going to get fucked. So we need to build automata, dome cities, terraform some shit. You can tell he's Elon because he started the digger company to sell them the mole. You're not wrong, but. What nobody knows is that the personality circuit that runs the supercomputer here, the Sphinx, uh, is actually based on the brain of his dead son. Because, no, these guys never have the talent they think they do. They're exploiting actual talented people and putting their name on it. The Sphinx says, riddle me this, can a computer fall in love? (laughs) Yeah. Uh And the city gets horny for Francois and starts trying to murder the Zero Zeros out of jealousy because it sees them as obstacles. Like, specifically Joe. Like, it tries to kill Albert because Albert, like, is just dismissive of the whole project. And then it goes after Joe because, uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't be... Again, like, I know that, like, um, in terms of canon, like, they are not a romantic couple, but they certainly, like, are very close in a way that probably could be misread that way and the show calls it out which is very funny to me yeah i i think it's reasonable that people would presume these two young people who are around each other a lot oh there must be attraction but no they're they're ace it shows (laughs) to us anyone seeing them at a glance would go aw young love ace pilots (laughs) and uh there's a bit with albert here where Joe is talking with him in a side hallway, because Albert is incredibly dismissive of machines fail. He fucks with it at first when he the doctor is telling them, yeah, just uh, take a scan of your handprint. It'll allow you access as if you were a citizen of this city and you can get around with no problem. Yo, Albert's glove is, glove is gross. I have a yeah, real, I have a skin glove with fingerprints. What the Yo, what, fuck? Why didn't he use his other hand? Yeah. Well, he does it on purpose to prove a point, but... Okay. 
because he sticks his gun hand on the thing and it can't scan him. There's no prints. But the guy from Germany has a skin glove is all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, At least he's not sewing people together. He he has this conversation with Joe at one point where he says, uh, yeah, I hate that when my body works fine, I think of it as. Yeah, this is better than expected. It's great. I I humanize the machines that make me up, but they are going to fail. All machines fail because they they break down, they wear, and by treating it like something human and not the thing that I'm stuck in, it's just going to disappoint me when the errors inevitably happen. And that's my mistake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Look, he he's just doesn't believe that uh, a machine can have a ghost inside it. Yeah. Well, that's and... good. All the ghosts are in the shells, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the city destroys itself. Uh, in the end, Doctor Eckerman's son was it Neil? Carl. Carl, right? I don't know why I thought Neil. I think it's the suit. Uh, <laughs> Carl Eckerman kidnaps francois starts feeding the cyborgs lies about where everyone is as it's trying to kill he them. he turns her into a them. cyber bu- cyberpunk computer desktop yeah yeah it does ah. basically try to bonzy buddy her in a virtual world well i was and, mostly, uh, mostly talking about the shot with all the car the, the cords coming out of the back of her neck well, oh but, uh, gotcha but also like it it made like a suicide bomber version of francois <laughs> Yes, that is a touch. It makes a duplicate Francois sending it after Joe, and the robot knows it is a suicide bomb. And so, to Joe, he just sees, I can't! She runs away and then suddenly explodes, and before Jet finds him, he's crying over what he thinks is his dead friend. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, you're getting fucking owned in the Life Channel right now, Fletcher. Oh, no. Darren posted a selfie. He looks like Dr. Light. And I said, my face when Dr. Kazumi is just... Darren is just Dr. Kazumi from 009. He says, I believe that I'm helping people with the, pro- the process of weaponizing humanity. Supposedly, I have an arc. Fucking Kazumi own. doesn't have an arc. That's Gilmore. <laughs> I know, but that's so funny. <laughs> God just getting, damn it. Just getting your odd pot opinions getting dunked out on a Discord. Fucking hell. If you want to pay a couple dollars a month, you too can shit on me all over the internet. And our Tentacle private dot pro. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good rate, actually, right? Yeah, a lot I of people believe- have had to pay way more to get any kind of humiliation out of me. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Sure. That, that silences you? <laughs> what? I'm saying sorry. Uh. yeah no it's uh, the thing also like as soon as i saw like wires going to the back of like uh francois's neck i went oh no (laughs) this this went from a third tier hentai character to potentially a hentai yeah but uh yeah i really hoped you were gonna say second tier revealing some preferences (laughs) 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 like it (laughs) goes up a level uh (laughs) but yeah the Eckerman family is ruined. Uh, Carl Eckerman deletes himself and commits virtual suicide, which also ruins the Sphinx. Because <laughs> well, he doesn't—he doesn't... deletes himself is very funny. He uh-huh. does. 
I he mean, literally that is what purges happens. all the I... banks he's on. <laughs> and the thing is, like, ah, uh, like he didn't realize that his son put his personality in there. Is that really like? I mean, the the thing that's kind of sad about this, it's kind of bullshit. The idea of like, oh, Carl just learned that love is possessive or whatever because I, I you know, forcing your love on somebody because that's what I did to my son, getting him into the programming thing. And I'm like, that that's almost like what you should be talking about because the idea of like, you know, your own failings as a, as a parent being imprinted on your kids is a thing, but like in this particular way, it expresses, Damn, it doesn't make any sense to me. Too cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, you could this uh, episode sucks ass and you can tell that this however many books of a manga came out because my man thought damn a city that was built for everything but love is a cool line how can i make that work mm-hmm. for what it's worth the original story was a little more philip k dick about things oh damn the, got the part- eye laser yeah and the part where they're looking up in the roses at the start of the episode that never really gets called back to again uh, Computopia ended with Sphinx trying to create duplicates of Joe and Francois to make as perfect citizens in its weird little model world. We saw them in pods looking up at the sky as it oh. zoomed out at the end. Joe would be so unhappy. That fucking there, aren't any, there aren't even any cliffs to jump off of. Hey, that's <laughs> there's not there's true. no got, water. There's no water. Oh, okay, okay, that's not true. They got shot off of a cliff, actually. Yeah, yeah but also, also there is that like sluice that like <laughs> released a bunch of water on Joe. Yeah. And for what it's worth, there's a couple good action sequences in this with the city trying to murder them. They can't reuse any earlier sets for this place, so mm-hmm. they have to do all original. Where did the phrase, the sluice is loose, come from? It's in my brain, and I know my brain thinks it should be funny. I mean, it's uh, probably OJ trial. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Anyhow, let's go on. <laughs> what? Nothing. I'm just thinking about that now. <laughs> well, hey, I remember mean, like, you, well, you, we missed the part earlier this year where um, the uh, the next Ford Bronco was going to be like officially unveiled on OJ's birthday. That's unbelievable. I'm sorry. What? Uh huh. <laughs> like there was a new. They brought back the Ford Bronco okay, and original. And originally, they were going to release it, like uh, like release it publicly. Uh, in a, like a you know, PR sense, like on, and it was on OJ's birthday, and they didn't realize it, and so they moved it a week later. You're you're not joking. Oh my that's god! Real. Oh my god! That's real. Yeah. Like, how do you fuck that up? You have a one in three hundred and sixty-five day chance. A new line of the OJ Bronco on OJ's birthday. Holy <laughs> shit! How did I miss that? Twenty twenty is buck wild. Yeah. No kidding. But apparently that car is super popular and like a lot of people are buying it, but like, that's not interesting. Yeah. Yeah, You can hunt lots of things out of it. Uh huh. Yeah. There were like two days. There were, there were like two, maybe three days. You couldn't do this on it is the day of day of the chase, the day of like the murder. And then like, uh, it might've been the same day actually. And then also OJ's birthday. They picked one of those three by accident. God damn. Oh, sorry. I'm just thinking about you getting driving gloves when you get in it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just can't figure out the back half of if the glove don't fit. Well, I'm just gonna say, like, if the, if glove, the glove don't go- fit, Computopia has a shit. I don't know. 
<laughs> if, if the glove don't fit, bring it back to the dealership and get your new pair of gloves. Damn. Because, <laughs> like, that's the thing. They, if they sold it with a pair of gloves, that would have been even better. That's true. Just too small, no matter what your hand size is. <laughs> that, <laughs> One size fits be... none gloves. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, oh, Christ. You gotta leave all this in. This is staying in, even if we're cutting the earlier thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, okay. Let's talk about the final episode this week, 31, Monster Island. What a bad episode. This one sucks. It's so bad, I forgot to watch it. Yeah. I I can't <laughs> wait for you to hear what happens in this episode and go, you're fucking with me. Yeah, and then I'm gonna watch it after this and be like, oh, you weren't fucking with me. Holy shit. The guy so, with an alligator head? Yeah. There's literal oh. uh, lion furries and monster creatures. So, like, we're going back to, like, Egyptian gods here? Is that what's going on? No, no they're, they're scientists. just scientists. They're in lab coats on floating platforms with their arms crossed. That sounds rad. It's not. It's Aww. not. This is, this is <laughs> like, straight every, Everything we're going to tell you sounds rad, but it sucks ass, actually. Like, GB yeah. turns into a giant and Fist fights another giant before getting hit with a laser that turns into a newt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And but again, it's lame, actually. <laughs> it, it's pretty wild, and it still somehow sucks. It's just the... It's it's a bunch of bad versions of other things that other anime do well. Also, GB is super racist in this episode. Oh, no. <laughs> the part where he keeps calling Chang out for you Asian drivers? I missed that because I was on my phone for 15 minutes of this episode. Mostly. Dude, he's repeatedly talking about how Chang shouldn't drive a car. Boy, it do be like that, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's effing wild. That's a runner through this whole episode. That's cool. I guess. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we start out following a hiker who sucks. Unfortunately, he is now in Ravenloft, and he will get wrecked by zombie men and laser deer. Walk off a ledge like that! If I was hiking, you think the most important thing would be, maybe you should look where you're going. Well, you know fog. what? You'd be surprised. <laughs> people lose their, like, spatial awareness pretty easily sometimes, and that could lead to people falling off cliffs. But, like, the ledge is 15, like, the, the hill is, like, 15 feet high. You would know uh -huh. that the trees in front of you, you are not looking at the bottom. Trees are not mm -hmm. uniform. You have so many warning signs, bro. Anyway, this guy stumbles into GB and Chang, and he leaves the plot at this point, but our heroes are now involved. So, yeah, uh, these two and Joe return the next day. This is where the first part about... GB being unable to drive comes it he he drives a truck better than Albert. I don't know why GB is so mad at this. Low bar. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, and for what it's worth, Chang is taking this completely in stride, both as GB's friend and his boss. He's like, fuck you, you can walk then. I bought this with profits from the restaurant. Which just made me feel bad because that is a shitty looking truck. Yeah, it's clearly a thing that he bought mostly for carrying transport of materials. It's a crate truck, a pallet truck, but uh, yeah, they they show up. Uh, the giants are deployed as part of this manor. GB matches it in size and pile drives it through the mansion. And this is when the umbrella-shaped laser flies out of the ground, nukes everything. 
And GB uh, dodges this, gets pissed, and decides he's going to follow that thing and see where it goes. Later that night, he comes back incredibly dog-tired, and the next day, once again, they go out looking for the thing. It leads them to a man-made island. One robot shark later, everyone arrives, and the scientists show up on Dr. Wily Scooters and start monologuing about how they took Black Ghost money, but they just kind of used it for shits and giggles to Dr. Moreau and Island up. Because who else talk. was going to... When Punma hits that shark, it, my brain immediately played the Super Smash Brothers sound. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's good action sequences in this. Yeah, but it's like Ideon style where it's okay action, but it doesn't matter at all. Yes, that's the problem is some cool things happen, but Chang and Sidorish a bunch of zombie dogs. Yeah. Like, Joe Karate chops a deer in the back of the neck. Yeah, it's it's completely sick. And then all of it comes to nothing over and over and over and over. That's so weird. Um, I mean, it's not terribly surprising, but like, it's so weird that it's that extra. And yet you can also tell where they cut the money to fund all of these cool sequences. Cause when the creatures turn on their masters after Joe destroys the control console, uh, the series of still images on flat backgrounds that just flash and require no new cells is real <laughs> pathetic. Yeah. I just like realized, it, by the way, that Ivan is a money-saving machine because he talks telepathically, so they just have to hold the still shot of his face for like 10 seconds. Uh-huh. Yeah, they just have to move the pacifier in a loop every once in a while. And they didn't even, if do, even, they if didn't even do that in the clip show. It was just a static uh-huh. shot for like 30 seconds. Well, that was yeah. a clip show. Give them credit for cutting <laughs> costs. I mean, even, even when he's like flying around. Clip show? Like, even when he's flying around the bassinet, a lot of times it's just the same image bouncing up and down without changing. And uh, at the end, Chang wants to take one of the giant tuna home with them because he's like, yo, this could feed my restaurant for a month. Let's do it. They're huge. And GB just grabs him and keeps him from going into the water with the words, dumbass, let's go home. So they do. They are overfished, though. Yeah, they are giant tuna. They're literally standing on them at one point. Like, even bigger than the one uh, Joachim? (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. The size of a larger than two speed. They're like two speed boats, Matt. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, they all- they have giant animals. There are seagulls that harangue the dolphin. Man, that's <laughs> the kind of fish of you would get in Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yes. Mm. This is just making me hungry. Well, good. We're, <laughs> Did we're you done just with hear my child episode. yell at the meatball? <laughs> no. It is extremely funny to me because my child only knows one joke, and it's we're just the spaghetti go to dance. That's, that's so, a good course, joke. We- of course, when I said meatball, Audrey just yells, at the meatball! Because when Audrey says, hey, daddy, I gotta tell you something, all I do is yell, at the meatball. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... That's, um, we we kind of had the breakdown in the middle of this one, but this is a bad stretch of episodes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this. Yeah, I think we pretty much said all we needed to say on that. <laughs> For what I it's already, worth, I already did my series wrap up. Also, yeah, 
Uh, we're we're coming back in two weeks, and we have my single favorite episode of this series. Frozen Time is here. Also, a yep. very good Albert standalone that I mentioned earlier. So, mm-hmm. uh, we should be a little better spirits next time. Although, mm-hmm. God help us, I also know where the plot's going in that one, and if our show continues to predict reality, we're all in some shit. Yeah, I was gonna say it's still twenty twenty for a while. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I made that joke when this series started that. Oh yeah. We just chose the ultimate predictive show for this year, and I'm not loving that it's continued. No. Is that what happened to the post office? Albert started driving for them? Hi, <laughs> <laughs>